Hello and welcome to episode 36 of Owen the Saints. I'm your host, Patrick Serlis. With me this afternoon is my co-host, Jack. Jack, how are you doing? To be honest, Pat, I'm glad we're doing this podcast a few hours after that game. We've had a bit of time to, to calm down. I was pretty heated on the final whistle, but I'm all right now. How are you? Yeah, not too bad, thanks. So we're chatting a couple of hours after um, a 3-2 defeat to Manchester United um, on Sunday afternoon. 2-0 uh, up and then to lose 3-2. It always seems to happen against Manchester United. They are something of comeback kings against us and we'll come on to it. Um, disappointing result overall, obviously. We went 2-0 up through goals from Jan Bednarak and James Ward-Prowse, another free kick for him. I think we'll talk about the first half positives um, second and, and we'll, we'll go on to the second half um, to start with because it was poor all round really and it started with a goal for Bruno Fernandes um, and then substitute Edison Cavani making the difference really in the second half, turning the game around um, and eventually going from a, a position at halftime where we were looking at all three points to, to one where by the 92nd minute they, they'd stolen the win or snatched the win. Um, debatable whether they deserved all three points or whether a draw was fair enough. Jack, what for you went wrong in that second half? I mean, I kind of, in my head, I split it into two two sides. One that we can control and one that we can't control. I think what we can control was the possession. I think we were sloppy in possession in that second half and we were giving away loose balls, defensively weren't very solid. And you know, I think it was, it was summed up really by that first goal with Bertrand losing the ball on the left-hand side, just really sloppy. In previous games, we're popping it around and more convincing. Um, but yeah, just seemed to take our eye off the ball slightly. On the other side of the argument, I'd say there is stuff that we can't control. At the end of the day, we're playing against a Man United team that have got so much quality going forward. And unfortunately, you look at our bench today, we just couldn't change it up. On 60 minutes, you just want to bring on a Nathan Redmond. You want to bring on someone else that's going to stretch Man United a bit more, but we, we weren't able to. Um, and I think that's been the pattern of a lot of our, of our season. Very, very good for an hour and we drop off a bit in that final half now. And until we get a few more players in there, um, I think it's going to continue like that, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, as far as some of the post-mortem of the game on Twitter, it seemed to be a lot of people commenting on the lack of depth as being the main issue. And it's kind of summed up by the fact that our second half substitute is Shane Long, who scored one goal from 57 sub-appearances um, for us. And then they bring on Edison Cavani, who scored best part of 400 <laughs> top flight goals for Paris Saint-Germain and a bunch of other top European teams and he came on and to be fair to him he was absolutely class he took his goals really really well he's one of the best strikers in the world um, and you've got to hold your hands up there really but I think you make a good point and I wanted to ask you um, on, on Bertrand uh, giving the ball away for that that goal that around the hour mark got them back into the game at 2-1 how much credit would you give United because for the first 20 minutes or so they pressed us really well and we were looking a bit sloppy in possession then we seemed to get control of the game with two goals but then at the start of the second half we lost it again and they were playing a slightly different shape Um, obviously Wolves played a different shape the other night and it took a while for us to get used to it United for the first 20 minutes were pressing us and we couldn't string a pass together and that seemed to happen again in the second half and, and it was kind of symptomatic of Bertrand being pressed and just giving the ball away sloppily. So do you think it was us being poor or do you think it was Man United kind of surprising us with the way that they were playing? 
combination of the two. I think I'd I'd say a little bit more on Man United were very good in that second half. I'm not going to be too critical because you know, we defended well. Um, they did have a few chances, but we did defend well. It was just sloppy in individual instances. It wasn't consistent across the whole team. It was individual errors that were costing us. Um, but yeah, I just think on, on Ryan Burchand, I'm always watching his link-up play with Moussa Gineppo. As every time I see um, Moussa's name on the team sheet, I'm watching how they link up. Um, and it's there's there's something there. It's not it's not this is not too poor. But I just think that is a bit of a weakness on that left hand side because I don't think they've got the greatest connection just yet. Stuart Armstrong and Carl Walker Peters seem to have a great understanding as to how each other play. But I think there's a little bit of a disconnect on that left hand side, and that does mean that you know some chances you know come come down that side like like we saw from the Bruno goal. Just a little bit of a misunderstanding between the two that needs to be worked on. So, as mentioned, they started brightly. We seemed to weather, the, weather it quite well. Um, there was a miscommunication between Alex McCarthy and, and, and Yannick Vestergaard early on that United should have gone 1-0 up. Mason Greenwood opened goal, basically, on his favoured foot, and he put it wide. Um, but then we got the other end, and basically with our first, first threatening attack, Wolves Prowse swings in the corner, and, and Jan Bednack puts it, puts it home, um, a header, and it's 1-0. At that point, you're thinking, okay, we can build on this now, aren't you? Yeah, you are. But I mean, there is a real curse on Jan Bednarak scoring at home at St. Mary's Pat. There's a real, <laughs> real curse. He scored three times at home. We've been 2 0 up in both games. We've lost 3 2 against Wolves, Chelsea, and now Man United. So, as much as I was loving going ahead and loving even more going two goals ahead, it was always in the back of my mind, especially against Man United that seemed to do it every year at St. Mary's. But um, no, Exactly like you said, it was a slow start from Southampton, but 20 minutes into the game when we got that goal, we really started to build and debatably could have been 3-0 up before the half if we really capitalised on that bit of domination before the half-time break. Um, and yeah, what about, let's talk about that whip from James Ward-Prowse because his, his dead ball you know, technique and the amount of chances, the amount of goals he's getting is putting him on another level, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, we Saints fans have known for a long time, I think, but I don't think it was to, until he scored two against Villa that that kind of rest of the Premier League and other yeah. fans took notice of how good he how good he is. Because I was having a conversation with some of my friends, and and it's always like one of them's a Liverpool fan, and it was always the case that Trent's the best free kick taker in the Premier League. And he actually texted during the game and was like, "Fair, fair enough." Like James Will Prowse, if it came down to it for England at the Euros, he's the man that you want stepping up. He is the best free kick taker in the Premier League, if not in world football at the moment. He steps up and he scores. It seems like every time, um, and it was fantastic. Obviously, David de Gea picked up an injury um, when he collided with the post. I did want to mention as well. We saw the good and the bad of Alex McCarthy again today. Um, mm-hmm. and, and all in the space of about 10 seconds in that first half um, because United did have chances and, and one of them came where he, he kind of sloppily gave the ball away kind of again um, summed up some of our passing really a, a lazy a lazy ball out to the middle and made a great save initially from Greenwood and then the follow-up save was ridiculous from Bruno um, keeping us in it but uh, that that's kind of the, that just sums up McCarthy isn't it I think we've had this conversation several times that distribution poor but shot stopping, I mean, one of the best in the league. Yeah, I mean, if you watch if you watch other teams in the Premier League, I'm 
I know it's hard to compare him against the very best, but if you watch Alisson for Liverpool, he's so, so good when the ball comes back to him at picking out a defender and just starting another break and not losing it. And that is the one point when the ball goes back to Alex McCarthy, you're just not confident that he's going to pick out a player. He's either just going to go long. You know, don't get me wrong, I think he's improved massively on it, but it's, it's definitely his weakness in his game. And like you said, he played it straight to a United player. The first save was okay, had a bit of movement on the ball. The second save was honestly unbelievable. They're the type of saves that goalkeepers work in training, just reactions off the second one. And yeah, just summed up his whole Saints career really in one, one little moment. Now, Solskjaer changes it at half-time. Greenwood comes off and, yeah, I mean, it's nice when, you're, when you can bring on someone like Edison Cavani off the bench. And to be fair to him, he kind of had his way with us in the second half, didn't he? Um, he was all over the field and that is a big test for, for Vestergaard and Bednarak. What did you make of their performance now in, in, some, in some big games against the top teams? I think they've been found wanting a little bit. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I mean, what one thing I would say just on Cavani, it just it made me laugh listening to some some of the post match stuff on Cavani because I heard Roy Keane talking about how you know it was a gamble bringing him in and it could be a touch of genius from Oli, blah blah blah. blah. This guy, like you said, has scored hundreds of goals in European football for years and years and years, and people are acting like his little tactical genius putting him on four hundred grand a week and bringing him to the Premier League. Obviously, he's gonna. He's going to be decent. They've brought in players before, Zlatan, Falcao. You know, it just seems not very inspirational for me. But anyway, that's, that's no. you know, a different point. But um, on on Vestergaard and Bednarak, I'm looking back at that Chelsea game and I think Timo Werner you know, did had his way with a little bit of Jan Bednarak in that game. I think he made him look very average. Today, Vestergaard's been so good this season, debatably one of our best players this season. Today, I thought it was one of his poorer games. And you mentioned before the pod, it seems to be against those quick strikers, those quick wingers that we really do get exposed centrally, don't we? We do. And the warning signs were there in the, at the start of the second half. There was a chance for Rashford. I think he was offside um, on the replay. He went one-on-one. Another good save from McCarthy. Um, and Cavani had an opportunity before Fernandez made it 2-1. And we've already covered that, really, with the kind of build-up play. Um, and then 15 minutes, 15 minutes to go, it's two all. Um, the ball coming out to Fernandez and, and Cavani, just right place, right time. Vestergaard, I think it was, that was playing him onside. Um, very, very deep. I think it had been cleared from a corner. Um, I did also just want to mention at that point, we were looking really, really leggy, weren't we? Um, and you think at 2-2, I was thinking it's only a matter of time before they make it 3-2. Um, we looked completely out of gas and and how much mm. of that do you put on Ralph um, and his lack of trust in our depth um, doesn't really make substitutions until he absolutely has to probably because we haven't got many options um, or how much do you just put on that on Ralph in, in being quite cautious with his substitutions I think it's the depth I think it's the depth like you, you look at that bench there's not many options we brought in Diallo you know it's just First, first season in English football, he's going to take time to adjust. You would have hoped that he maybe could be getting a little bit more than four or five minute cameos by now. I think this is his fifth substitution where he's come on in the 80, 80th or so minute. I want to see a little bit more of him, but I just look at it in the sense that it's such a high intense game to throw in someone that he doesn't have full trust in. It's a bit too much for Ralph at the moment. And Romeo's been fantastic um, this season. I did think he was our midfield got a little bit overrun in the final half an hour against Wolves. 
And again, we looked tired and leggy in midfield again this afternoon in the, in, the, in the whole second half, really, but certainly in the final half an hour. What did you make of Romeo's performance? And should we be concerned that Ralph is not putting Diallo into that midfield? I mean, he's our £14 million summer signing. Do you expect to see him sooner rather than later? Or are you happy to keep Romeo in there with Ward Prowse? I don't think it was Romeo's first game, just on the first point. Um, no, it wasn't by any means awful. I think that his, his distribution and the way he's passing, I think, has improved massively. I read a really good interview in The Athletic um, by Dan Sheldon with Romeo, and he's talking about how when he first came in at Southampton, he wasn't in the team. And what Ralph said to him is that he needs to be much more than just a deep-lying midfielder. He needs to be able to play forward. And I think I was watching that game today. He is adding that a lot to his game. He's trying to find those killer passes and he's trying to pick out the wingers and the strikers. So I think his game has developed massively. But yeah, he was just he was just sloppy, I think. There's a few passes that were just you know not hit with great conviction that were being cut out by United players. On the Diallo point, just as I mentioned before, I, I do start want to see, see him more in games. I think, you know, he's coming on for Stuart Armstrong usually on that right-hand side. I think it is time. Maybe we do change it up. I'm not saying in the Brighton game, but in the next few games coming up to Christmas, I, I would like to see him get a start because, as you said, the Wolves game was difficult in midfield um, and that game again today was difficult in midfield. So I think we, we could do with a little bit of, you know, another fresh face in there just to see what he can bring. Yeah, so I mean, and then by the end, we were completely out on our feet. The ball goes wide to Rashford. Nobody really closes him down and he's got, he's got all the time in the world to pick out a good cross and then Cavani nods it in in the 92nd minute and it's game over, really. Um, I wanted to go back to the first half and maybe pick out a few positives. For me, Che Adams, one of his best games in a Saints shirt. Uh, I thought he was excellent holding the ball up. That was a huge question mark for us, I think, as, as Saints fans, was how would we cope without Danny Ings for four to six weeks? Um, now, the news on Danny Ings has been good and he should be, um, well, we'll see. I think Brighton may be too early for him, um, but he's certainly coming back into the picture. But Che Adams has done a fantastic job in his absence. Yeah, he stepped up massively. Um, like you said, it's just his hold-up play. The way, the way he's bringing other people into the game is just been exceptional. He, get, he gets the ball and he picks out either Carl Walker-Peters or Ryan Bertrand on the, on, the, on the channels and, you know, just links up brilliantly with Armstrong and Walcott as well. Shout out to Walcott because I thought he's been, you know, very, very good just slotting into that team. But yeah. I it, was I think, a t- it was a tough game for Walcott today. I don't think he got too involved, but I think if, we, if we're talking about generally, he stepped mm. into that role and him and Adams has been a good partnership. Yeah, it has. It has. It's been, that game was definitely tough for him today. He had a couple of from outside the box, but um, yeah, the, the main man that is, you know, most improved from last season. We saw it a little bit at the back end of last season, but Shea's just, everything about his game's just developed. Um, and hopefully we'll see a few more goals from him. Anybody else that, that you would pick out from today's game that you think, okay, it was a good performance despite the result? Um, I think, again, Carl Walker-Peters, especially in that first half, I think he's just, you know, always given a consistently good performance now and you know you rarely see him make a mistake he makes the odd mistake obviously but so solid so calm on the ball doesn't rush anything if he's got the ball he doesn't try and get rid of it straight away he takes his time and picks out the right pass and he's proven to be one of our best better signings in recent years um yeah yeah I think ultimately I mean I'd get your opinion as well but I think we should be positive um coming out of this game obviously it's tough when you've been 2-0 up and you lose a game 3-2 
but we've got 17 points on the board. We're fifth place, although the league, the way that it is at the moment, is just crazy. I mean, there's like, what, four points separating top yeah. half and, well, fifth, fifth, sixth place and 15th, 16th. So the league is a bit mental at the moment. But I think we should be extremely positive. We've got 17 points on the board. We should have gotten something out of the game today against the Manchester United team that can bring on Edison Cavani on 400 grand a week. And yeah, he, he takes the points. Well, sometimes that happens when you play against the, the world's best players. Um, but ultimately, I'm coming out of this looking ahead to the Brighton game next, which is on Monday night, and thinking that if we play the same way that we did today and just maybe tighten up some of our passes, we'll, we should beat Brighton. I think you have to be positive coming out of that game. What we did in the first half was brilliant. And to go in 2-0 up, you know, we really showed that we can compete against these teams. It was it was worrying at the start of the season that we were going to have a very difficult season, but we're playing well. The football's there. Um, you know, there was a few things that you can't control in the second half and they've come back into it. I'm not too downbeat. I was fuming after the game, Pat. I was fuming. <laughs> but um, I've reflected on it and we're fifth in the table. We go away to the annex in, you know, in a week's time. And I think you've got to be positive watching this Lampton team at the moment. What I would say is that I genuinely look forward to watching Southampton at the moment I don't think you can say that about every team in the Premier League I don't know if you watch Newcastle on Friday night and some other teams just yeah. you know no enjoyment in that and I'm, I'm loving watching Southampton at the moment what, one of the things that I meant to say just then but it's just come back to me was that we didn't even I don't think we even played that well today um, mm. as it from a team performance and we were 2-0 up and really we were good value for at least a point against Man United and we didn't play I don't think anywhere near our potential so I think this 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 squad, the what Ralph's doing, going going to Brighton, and then after that we're at home to Sheffield United. We've got what two thousand fans back in the stadium for that one. Um, I think again we shouldn't. I don't want the impression to be for the next week that it's a bit more doom and gloom because I think we should just look ahead um, to that game um, optimistically, and and we should be going to Brighton and looking for three points. Um, that wraps it up, I think. I just wanted to... Actually, I just wanted a, a word for James Ward-Prowse, really, because mm. four goals and two assists in his last five appearances. Um, Gareth Southgate, obviously, has included him in a few England squads. But is there an English midfielder that's playing better than him in the Premier League at the moment? It's a difficult one. He's playing unbelievably well. Another player that I'd put... You know, close to that level at the moment is Calvin Phillips. His the way he played against Everton yesterday was one of the best midfield performances that I've seen in a long time. And I'm not saying he's ready to play for England yet because I think there's a few question marks over his game. But someone that always wants the ball and his distribution is brilliant. But um, Ward Prowse, everyone knew the qualities that he had, but what he's adding in goals and assists takes him above a lot of English midfielders now because he's delivering. What what impresses me from from his performances is as a Saints fan, we've always known that, well, for, for a long time, we've known that his set piece deliveries are sensational and he's worth being on the pitch for that point alone. But now he is like genuinely developed into like an all round central midfielder. He's very yeah. smart, tactical fouls, gets stuck in, very good in terms of tackling, winning the ball back, great in terms of distribution. And adding goals to his game in an attacking sense and picking out passes, like he's developing into an all-round central midfielder. Where I think before, when he first came into the team in his first couple of years, it was James Ward-Prowse in midfield. Okay, it's great to have him on the pitch because should we get any dead ball situations, he's fantastic and he can do a job in there. Well, now it's like he is just an all-action midfielder. 
Um, and I think that's why he, he, he must be under consideration if he continues this form between now and the end of the season to be starting for, for Southgate uh, at the Euros next summer. Yeah, definitely. I think you hit the nail on the head. He was, at the start of his Saints career, he was obviously young, but he was a little bit of a luxury player because he didn't really get involved too much in the 90 minutes, but then would pop up with a you know, great delivery. But yeah, I agree. I think England's midfield options at the moment aren't brilliant. You know, you've got players like Harry Winks that aren't even playing for Spurs that are getting a look in. So James Ward-Prowse, like you said, continues this form every chance of, of playing for the three lines. <laughs> um, so... Just a public service announcement on next week's pod. Obviously, we're playing Brighton on Monday night. So we will be doing the same as we did before um, for the Wolves game. We'll be recording after the Brighton game and then publishing the pod on Tuesday instead of Monday next week. So keep an eye out for that. Jack, you've got your hand up. You want to say something? I just wanted to get your opinion on fans coming back, actually. I just oh, thought yeah. that's a bit of an interesting one, obviously. A lot of our home form was awful, wasn't it? When we had fans in the stadium, we've slightly rectified that. But fans are coming back for Sheffield United at home. What, 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 what's your thoughts? I don't think it will have any impact. I mean, for one thing, it's just two thousand. Mm. So, like, it's a, what thirty-two thousand seat stadium. It's going to be, it's going to look like there's just kind of friends and family there. Basically, <laughs> I think it's going to be pretty <laughs> sparsely populated at St Mary's. So I don't. Th- I didn't really ever buy into the fact that the fans like played a role in why our home form was poor. I think last season where we would struggle was we we struggled to keep possession and we struggled um, at home to dictate our way of playing on other teams when they were happy to sit back um, as the away team. I think what we've what we've shown this season, what we've shown um, the kind of progression under Ralph is now. We are good at pressing and we are good at counter-attacking, but we can also knock the ball around in midfield, which I think is going to stand us, which has stood us in good stead um, in our home games. And I think it will continue to going forward. I think we're a much better team than we were last season when we were struggling at home. Um, so I don't, I don't think it's going to be an issue. Do you? No, no. I mean, I hope not. But I think what you just said there about us dictating the, the possession now, I think is the key point. Like you said, there was a few games last season where we weren't really getting into our rhythm. Now we seem to be understanding every single position on the pitch. So that's that's the main difference. So hopefully we can take that into, you know, when you've got 2,000 fans there. Yeah, it should be good. Good to get the fans back in, the, back in the stadium. I'm in America and they've been, I'm watching the NFL now and there's like, depending on what state it is, there's, there's a few thousand fans here and kind of 10,000 fans there. So um, they're all socially distanced. We'll see how it goes. Uh, I think it's a good thing to get people out um, to do things if it can be done safely. So uh, let's see how it goes. Um, Jack, thank you very much for joining me this week. We'll, we'll be chatting again, as mentioned, on Monday night after the Brighton game, and that means the pod will be out next Tuesday. So, Jack, thanks for joining me. Nice one, Pat. Have a good rest of the weekend. You too. Cheers. Cheers.